Hello and welcome to another Let Them Eat Cake special covering the demonstrations in Kirkuk, incorrectly labelled as ethnic conflict by the corporate press, which resulted in the deaths of four Kurdish people. Friend of the show, Heavy, is here to discuss what has been happening in Kirkuk and to supply some context to explain Iran's imperialist agenda behind the entire issue here. Kirkuk was formally controlled by the Kurdish people and handed to Qasem Soleimani, leader of the Iranian Quds force, by Donald Trump in 2017 following the Kurdish referendum, which you can see Trump defend in the upcoming clip. Ultimately, this is US policy that created the issue that has divided and further prevented Kurdish statehood, which you can learn more about in episodes two and three of Let Them Eat Cake, and our article, Understanding a Post-War Iraq, and if it interests you, our upcoming article on how the US knowingly poisoned its own soldiers to cover up their arming and facilitation of Saddam's chemical genocide against the Kurds. So this was after he chose to pull soldiers from Syria and Turkey then invaded there. So he's drawing back on how he made a great decision to not stand up for the Kurds in Kirkuk. And that's what this clip is about. Remember this. When Iraq was fighting the Kurds, everybody thought we were going to fight with the Kurds. I said, well, it's a little strange that we're fighting with the Kurds when we just spent $4 trillion on Iraq and now we're going to be fighting Iraq. So what I did is I said, we're not going to take a position. Let them fight themselves. I thought the Kurds would do very well. Everyone said, oh, the Kurds will do very well. Well, Iraq moved in and the Kurds left. They didn't fight because they didn't have us to fight with. A lot of people are good when they fight with us. You know, when you have $10 billion worth of airplanes shooting 10 miles in front of your line, it's, it's much easier to fight. But with that, they were a good help. But we were a great help to them, too. They were fighting ISIS. You know, they hated ISIS. So how do you feel about that? It is absolutely obnoxious. We fought ISIS for the entire world, and we got nothing in return. So when we were fighting ISIS, they were standing with us in Rojava, in Bashur. And now that we are left on our own after we fought ISIS, after ISIS is gone, no one stands up for us. It feels like exploitation that thousands of Fejmergis died protecting this city, and there was no one to stand for them. There was no one to back them up. And of course, I'm not saying that there was no treason, but also the fact that all our allies left us, or are supposed to be allies, left us, like the people of Kirkuk are utterly alone. There was like volunteers fighting on their own. And even now this scenario keeps repeating itself. This, the people of Kirkuk are left on their own to defend themselves against the traitors on the Kurdish side and the enemy on the Iranian and the Iraq side. And uh, we can use, uh, we can say Daesh as well, um, if you're more familiar with that. But I think at this point Daesh was, um, it was over, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, um, the rumor has it that they basically handed this over to Qasem Soleimani himself, and like he came down mm -hmm. and actually had personal meetings with leaders in Kirkuk, and a bunch of shady shit happened in the handover. But because Trump only cares about money here, at the end of the day, if you only look at it, an economic perspective, it's Iraq's second largest oil field. The biggest one is already in control of Iranian militias. So Iran's already owning that oil down there, and he gave him the next largest oil field. 
There was just absolutely no reason to do it. If he cares about economics, then he should have made a better economic choice there as well. There's rumor going on, like this is a sort of conspiracy theory. I don't know how true it is, but they say that the Shia militias, the Iranian-backed Shia militias, are so centered around Kirkuk because they want to smuggle the oil to the Shia militias in Syria. What else would they do with it? Since then, a lot of things have happened. Is it Kirkuk under the Iraqi authority or the Kurdish authority? I mean, it is under Iraqi authority, but what we need to recognize is that Iraq is functioning as a satellite state for Iran. So essentially, it is the Shia militias in Kirkuk that have utmost power. And it is basically Iran that is indirectly running the city. But it is under, I mean, de facto under the Iraqi authority. Then recently, we've been hearing about this, this over the police headquarters, I guess. This has been a new kickstart in, in, I guess you could say, violence in the region. The thing is, it started like a couple days before that. Um, there were some things popping up on my timeline, but I did not think anything of it. It was basically like some Arab Iraqis and some Turkmans, which are both 100% are influenced by the Shia sects. They were protesting against the return of the KDP to, the, to its own headquarters. These were the KDP headquarters. It was just taken over like the city was invaded and it was turned into like the Iraqi security base or whatever. And it was like great vandalization. They literally went and stepped on the Kurdish flags, you know, disrespected the national identity, disrespected like all Kurdish symbols that existed in the place. So this is like, you know, this is the background of the situation. And for the next election, after Sudani came to power, you know, the Iraqi prime minister, he tried to sort of make things up between the KRG and the federal government. Um, so they sort of um, wanted to return for the next election. And suddenly there are protests going on and they block the Kirkuk and Arbil road. Now, keep in mind, a lot of people's livelihoods depend on that place. You know, there's merchants, there's people who have family there. Like, you can't just block this road. It's very essential, especially for the Kurds. They literally blocked this road, no violence. They were not confronted by the police. You know, it was, it was accepted by the government. And of course, it was, um, you know, it was directed or influenced by the Shia militias. It was so... I don't know what um, adjective to use for this, but they literally had signs saying stuff like, we don't want the Peshmerga back. Bro, the Peshmerga are not back. Literally, I thought there was an, a re-invasion, let's say, by the PDK, but there was nothing like that. They were just trying to come back to their own headquarters, their own headquarters. And they made it look like it was being invaded. The Peshmerga are coming back. It will be Kurdish again. Like, no, it was just one party base coming back to their own headquarters and things would go back to normal. Literally, according to constitution, they have full right to be there. So how is all Iranian sects allowed to be in Kirkuk, but the Kurdish ones are not, even though the, the city is originally Kurdish? Like, how is that even permitted by the constitution, not by anything else? So they were um, protesting, blocking the road, everything is fine. And then the Kurds started protesting in return saying stop blocking this road you know it's it's their right to be there some of them were for political incentives some of them were they had family there some were normal citizens and there are rumors that these were the pdk um affiliated people but that's not true one of the shaheeds one of the mart 
how do you pronounce that in English? Ma Marge no, no, we people will know what you're saying. We say we say Shahidis as well. Yeah, they they were like Shahids from the PUK. So how are they PDK affiliated? He was literally from the PUK. Um, there was like these Kurds protesting back, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that the Kurds are protesting, police shoots at them, like just life bullets, randomly at the people, randomly at the, four people died. While when the Arabs and the Turkmen's were protesting, that was fine. It was acceptable. But when the Kurds are like, open these roads, it's literally illegal to block these roads. They get killed and they get shot at. It's insane. And the amount of propaganda that was going on that day was atrocious. Literally, they were saying we're scared of the Kurds. Um, the Kurds have uh, guns with them. The Kurds are armed. Well, if they're armed, then why did none of you die? Why were all the dead Kurds? They were literally citizens. They were literally civilians. And it was them who fired life bullets at them. And the coward Iraqis and the Turkmen's were hiding behind the militias. It's, it's a tragedy, really. So what has developed since then? So after the protest, there was actually a curfew going on from Maghrib, 6 p.m. sort of until all night. Um, it went on for a few days then it stopped. But during the curfew, they were hitting the Kurdish houses one by one, looking through their phones to see who was in the protest to arrest them. This is literally, how is that even permissible? They were going into the houses, right into the houses with their boots on. You know, there's there are pictures going around, going into people's houses, looking at their phone, taking their guns and just going on, go, going out and only in the Kurdish neighborhoods. This is utter discrimination against the Kurdish inhabitants, the Kurdish indigenous people of the city. What would actually be the difference if the police headquarters was handed over to the Kurdish parties? Uh, what is their issue with it to begin with? And by their issue, I mean the, the Shia militias and stuff. Yeah. Um, in the city, there already exists a Kurdish party, which is a PUK. But the PUK, as I said, is, is pro-Iran. It's pro-Iran. So it's fine with them. They are not uh, sort of keen on the city being Kurdish. They handed it over. They're more, let's say, lenient towards the Shia militias and they're more passive. So they're fine with the PUK being there, but because KDP and I do not support the KDP, okay, I have made statements criticizing them before many times. It's on my Twitter, it's obvious, but they are more keen on the Kurdish national identity. They more use like the Kurdish flag and they more use these nationalists. So for them, the KDP being back in the city is sort of a threat. Um, and also because the people of Kirkuk felt betrayed by the PUK, this might raise the voices of the KDP, like in the next election, the votes for them. Mm -hmm. um, so they see it as a sort of threat because again, they are anti-Iran. There are five main parties in Kurdistan, like in all of, in both the yellow zone and the green zone, but all of them are Kurdish dominated. But the issue is Kirkuk. The issue has always been Kirkuk because it's a disputed area. Even during the Ba'athist regime, they wanted to like Arabize a uh, demographic displacement, all of that, because they want to change the citizens because it's rich with oil.
Like how linked are the economies between Kurdistan and Iraq? There's so much dispute regarding that matter, but basically Kurdistan wanted an independent economy, which they got for many years. They depended on their oil, but a lot of times the money would not be enough from the oil and people would not get their salaries. People would get half of their salaries. Sometimes they would get quarter of their salaries for many years on end. And even now, like my mom did not get her, um, she still ha doesn't have like two months salaries. She still gets like salaries from three months ago. Um, but right now they're like, okay, we don't want an independent economy anymore. Give us back our share in the Iraqi economy because we had like 15% or something. Now they want that percent back, but Iraq is like, okay, hand over the oil and we will give it back to you. Recently, I have heard that Iraq did offer to give the, the salaries to the employees, but they want to give it themselves because there's a lot of corruption going on with like the Kurdish government. There's people, we call them Bindiwar. They get salaries, but they do not work. Um, yeah, ghost employees. People will say that our government is corrupt because they openly take lobby money. It's not corruption if it's transparent. But here it's like 10 times worse because we have, you know, during the, the war with the Iraqi government, when the Peshmergas had war with them, a lot of people are considered to be Shaheed. They get the Shaheed salary, but they were not actually Shaheed. They just died of old age or something. But because of corruption, they get the same amount as a Shaheed. And there are many people who did have shahids and they don't get anything. So there's like all this corruption going on and the government refuses that the Iraqi government gives out the salaries themselves. So there's like disputes going on. It's very, very, very complicated. It's like, even if you look into it, there's still more layers into it. We, we were kind of talking about it earlier, but threats from Iran saying the IRGC is going to start attacking Kurdistan, I guess, is a fallout because they dared to say no at protests. I guess that's why Iran is mad now. It's very, very unlikely, in my opinion, for Iran to trespass the... So there is a... I forgot what the line was called. I think it was called the 36 line. It was drawn by the American... Uh, by the USA. It starts from Kurde, and basically the Iraqi government cannot trespass this line and get into the Kurdish land. Right, right. So this was after the genocide by Saddam. They put in a no-fly zone. Yeah, but this still exists. So mm -hmm. it's still like the line still exists. So it's very, very unlikely for the Shia militias to trespass this line. I don't think that threat is substantiated, although I do still think that Iran existing in that region will continue to make it unstable or threaten to destabilize it. It's uh, unfortunate that Turkey doesn't have to stay out of that line too. It goes back into KDP being allies with the, Turkey, yep. with the Turkish government. Yeah. So they keep letting the Turkish bases get closer and closer from the north. So from the Zaho and Duhok cities, they, they have gotten like very, very close um, to confront, essentially confront the PKK. Um, but this is more like a semi-invasion on Kurdish lands from the north, while we're already having problems with Kirkuk. Can we say where you're from? I'm from Kirkuk, essentially, so, like originally. Recently, we just talked to somebody who's from Crimea, which is also, you know, it's occupied by Russia. Then obviously it's hard to see like your home occupied. So I just wanted to hear about how you personally feel about it. The thing is the current situation for the Kurdish people 
I don't see it getting better. It's very hopeless. And in one part, the Turkish, you know, Jandirma is getting closer and closer from the north. From the other part, the Hashd militias are in Kirkuk. And for the government, it's like, it's all about the economy. It's all about the political diplomacy. But for us, it's home, you know, like I would go there and there would be like Kurdish flags and I would, we would be feeling very comfortable as Kurds in that city. As it is originally Kurdish, it had a Kurdish identity. But right now you go there, one time they took my brother for like counter-terrorism investigation just because our the car license plate, it was like a Hawleri one, so they knew we're Kurdish. Um, they took my brother to sort of, I think it's a... Uh, an intimidation procedure mm -hmm. to like scare the Kurdish citizens not to get close. If you have Kurdish flags, they'll take it from you. Um, people came to celebrate Nowruz. All of the Kurdish flags were confiscated. There's absolutely no freedom for the Kurds there. Um, a city that used to be majority Kurdish is now minority Kurdish because of all the intimidation, terrorization, um, discrimination. The Kurdish flags are all either vandalized, painted over, taken down, you know, disrespected. There's so much. It's not just because people watch the news and they're like, oh, this and that person died, which of course is tragic, but this is an everyday situation for these people. They cannot be confidently Kurds. They cannot be proud of their identity because they're being discriminated against. The same thing with the Kurds in, you know, at the north of South Kurdistan. They are constantly being bombarded. The Turkish militias are getting, Turkish gendarmerie is getting closer and closer. There is absolutely no peace for these people. And you know, the region is very destabilized, although I live in a place that's thankfully quite secure, but there's always this sort of threat going on that if you're Kurdish, you're never actually safe. So the PUK, their economy is linked to all of this. Where's the like incentive for the PUK to just totally hand it over to Iran? Wouldn't it be beneficial to them as well if it was inside their economy? The thing is, the conflict between the PUK and PDK goes way back. There has been a civil war between these two where thousands of Kurds died. Um, and it was during, we were fighting the Iraqi government, you know, for the freedom of Kurdistan. During this war, they were fighting each other torturing each other, killing each other. There was a full-blown civil war in that region. It extends until now. They still have like political problems. You know, during the, when they handed it over to the Iraqi government, there was a fraction of the PUK, uh, Peshmerga, that is ruled by Kosrat Rasul. He's a bit, um, he's a bit, uh, how do I say, more acceptant towards PDK. They did not tell him they handed the city over and they let him fight. And he literally stayed in the city with his soldiers and fought. It was like a suicide mission just because he was um, more open with the PDK. He was like having more agreements with them and being like sitting with them more. In terms of economy, I'm not sure of that because I'm not, I don't read into economy a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, a, tough, a tough area. Especially in Kurdistan. It's mm -hmm. very, very, very complex. But I do think that the PDK was stealing most of the money and the PUK did not have the chance to steal as much. So they were like, like, fuck it, we don't want it. Iraq <laughs> can have it. Okay. Um, but just, even in the... I just wanted yeah. to give a small amount of context that during the period of the Iran and Iraq war, 
both sides, as in Iran and Iraq, were using these political parties to attack each other. And so it goes even uh, all the way back to when the U.S. was arming both Iran and Iraq in that war with chemical weapons and things like that. Um, the Roshalati Peshmergas were allied with Iraq during the Ba'athist regime, and mm -hmm. the Bashiri Peshmergas were allied with Iran, or at least the PUK was. So this history of treason and siding with the enemy goes way back in our history. I still don't kind of understand what's happening with the police headquarters. It's essentially paranoia. I'm telling you, okay. it is just, you know, the constitution says every party has the right to have headquarters in any city. Okay. It's their constitutional right. So, so but, even if, even if, so like you could totally have headquarters, like all the way down in the South of Iraq, if you're a Kurdish party um, or, is, or is it only in the Kurdish region or what? Well, it's mostly in the Kurdish region, I would say. I mean, even if it existed there, they wouldn't have any votes. So it's a bit. Um, yeah, I'm just saying in theory, they could go there. I do think so. Yeah, it's, it's okay. possible because they have parties here. Mm -hmm. um, this one is more like a analysis to the situation. Yeah. But a lot of people want to make it look like it's a Kurd versus Arab and Turkmen situation. But... It, it looks like Iran is the influence behind all of it. It's not a sort of ethnic conflict. It's Iran wanting the oil. It's Iran wanting to expand their influence all over the city uh, because it's rich, of, rich with oil and it's like, um, it holds very, uh, a lot of political significance in the area. Um, the Turkmeni side, they, during that time, there was a lot of so-called journalists. One of them was called Mustafa Mustafa Kamal Yalmaz or something, which is like just that name. Um, if you go to his LinkedIn, he literally sold clothes in Kirkuk. Like he sold clothes in Kirkuk and he's now playing journalists. All of them, and there was like many other journalists, so-called journalists, popping up in that area with like barely any following, barely mm -hmm. any influence that they were like trying to aggravate the situation. The Iran also does this in uh, Rojava as well. They, like there's been clashes and Iran has been trying to make it seem like there's these tribal militias and it's all about ethnic conflicts over there as well. And it's all their influence. Like it, it's not what it seems like it and everyone is just buying into it. And Turkey, Turkey is more than happy to help too. So then, well, so there's little control. So you... there's little control over the media. Is basically what I wanted to say. Is there's no control over the media because all these imperialist states basically control the narrative that's going out. There's a, yeah, definitely know. 100 percent. Yeah, the ethnic nationalist Turkmans were like these Turkmans are being played by Iran. They do not represent us um, because literally there are cities in Rojava. There are cities in Syria that have more Turkmen population than Kirkuk, but no one talks about them. So it's not about ethnic conflict. It's not about any of that. It's all Iran's influence trying to use the Turkmen, trying to use the Arabs as pawns to expand their influence in that area. One of the things that I saw, like just, you know, cause I'll see like, depending on Twitter, will just throw shit on your feed, right? And like, um, it was like a basically uh, someone responding to how the Turks are trying to claim that uh, Kirkuk is Turkish. 
it's so ridiculous. It has like 6% Turkmeni population, six, six or less percent. How do you claim a city where you don't even make the tiniest minority in it? I think they would want PDK back in that uh, city. Mm, because yeah. if PDK is back in that city, that means Turkey's influence is like, it expands in that city also. Because KDP is allied with, it, with Turkey again. If it's just PUK there, then there's just Iran there. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. You probably don't follow that much actual Iraqi politics, but how is the relationship between like the Iraqi state and Turkey? I think Iraqi state is more closer to Iran than Turkey. Mm. Um, oh yeah, of course it is. It's basically Iran. It's basically yeah. Iran. It's, no, yeah, state. you're right. No, I say this. I actually say this a lot. It's basically Iran. Any other highlights that's been going on in Kirkuk that we haven't hit on? I'm just rooting for the people because like, you know, I understand as a Kirkuki how hard it would be to have all your parties affiliated with some enemy and you're all on your own. Even during that night, the um, the PDK uh, forces were close to Perdan and they were like, we will, we will save you, we will come and, um, you know, settle out the situation and they didn't do anything. So it felt like the people are on their own fighting for Kurdistan against all the militias, against the um, Iraqi occupying army, against the Iraqis, against the Turkmen's. They were there with rocks on their own against all these factions. And they were even after that day, they were being arrested. Like there were so many dead, so many injured, so many arrested. And it was just people fighting for their identity and fighting for their land. And I really, I really admire that. Did we say if it's going to go back under Kurdistan's control or is it staying under Iraq's control? I wish it will go back under Kurdistan's control. But again, what they make it look like, they make it look like the Kurds are back. They make it look like the Peshmerga forces are back. They make it look like we're invading. How can you even invade something that's yours? They're making it look like we're invading the city. but. It does not change anything. PDK being there does not change anything. The Peshmerga is not back. The you know the Kurdish forces are not there. It's just one political party existing in the city that has always existed. What do we want to say for goodbye to people? I would say Biji Kurdistan, Biji Kirkuk, Kirkuk Dili Kurdistana, Harbiji, Harbijin. Long live everyone. <laughs> goodbye.